once again to the Bell Podcast. My name is Marcy Timmerman. I'm the executive director and I'm the usual leader of Mental Health America of Kentucky's the Bell Podcast. So thank you for joining us today. Um, I am giving this over one more time to Rebecca Taylor, our MSW student from the University of Kentucky, to bring us episode six, which is the final in our series of COVID-19 and mental health, at least at this point, uh, the series that we have going. Of course, there may be more coming up in the future. Who knows? Uh, I wanted to give this over to Rebecca today. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you, Marcy, for having me and Thanks for feeling confident in me to be able to do this. The last episode, we talked about resiliency. We talked about how to gain resiliency through different perspectives and when to use it. And it's okay. We can raise those resiliency umbrellas high, especially during COVID-19. And so for this podcast episode, we will talk about brain fog and how it has affected people before COVID-19 and how it is affecting people during COVID-19, and we'll learn exactly what, what brain fog is. So to get into it, brain fog is not a new word. It's a word that most people know what it means. And the article that we will be discussing today is an NPR article, and a statement from that article states, quote, while some people who have had COVID-19 report brain fog, and fatigue as lingering symptoms of their infection, what's known as long COVID, mental health care providers around the U.S. are hearing similar complaints from people who weren't infected by the virus, end quote. And, you know, that statement is rings true. Yes, we have, we have experienced brain fog and we have experienced fatigue symptoms throughout COVID-19, whether that be because you were infected or whether that be because you have not had it, but you are still experiencing fatigue and brain fog. And that is okay to realize that you might not have had COVID, but you still experience brain fog. And so the brain fog definition, it is exactly how we think of it. It hinders people to not think. Uh, so we have a hard time thinking. There's no thought organization. It's hard to put thoughts into words. We feel confused. So it is literally this fog that is inside our brains, molding everything together. And it comes out in a jumbled mess. Pers personally, I have felt this during COVID-19 and I have not had coronavirus. And I know other people have had you know, COVID-19 and have experienced this, but I also know people who have not had COVID-19 and have experienced brain fog as well. And so my personal experience with brain fog, man, it can be hard sometimes. And that self-critic wants to come out and say, well, why didn't I remember this? As I'm trying to communicate with my project director, Marcy Timmerman, I might stumble on words and she's like, wait, say that again. I did not catch that. Let's rephrase that or say that one more time so I can understand what you are saying. And it's okay to, to realize that that is real, to realize that it's there. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, what other causes can cause brain fog in our lives, not just coronavirus, but, you know, there's pregnancy, some medications can cause brain fog, depression can cause brain fog, menopause, or the women and females out there, 
medical diagnosis can influence brain fog as well, because that's a lot to handle when you get a medical diagnosis and you start to spiral and think of different things that can hinder your future, can hinder your present. How are you going to cope with this kinds of questions? And that, that brain fog is very real in each of these different causes. Obviously, there's more causes. Those are just a few to mention right now. And the NPR article also states, quote, this kind of mental fog is real and can have a few different causes, but at the root of it are the stress and trauma, end quote. And I really want to focus on that last part. The root of brain fog are the stress and trauma that comes with different challenges and obstacles in our lives. You know, and, and to understand brain fog for other people, experiencing hard obstacles, that's normal. You know, we think, oh, yeah, she's having brain fog. That's okay. Good for her for being able to deal with that. But if we experience it for ourselves, we let our self-critic run very rapidly through our minds and we go, oh, why can't I remember this thing? Or why can't I get my message across? And we start to self-criticize and we start to have negative connotations and cognitions that can really hinder our functioning, our daily functioning. So yes, we, we look at these different experiences like pregnancy, me medication, and you know those, those causes that I listed before, and we think that is normal for those, those experiences to experience brain fog. But when we look at COVID-19, do we look at it in that same aspect? Do we think, oh, we're going through COVID-19 pandemic. It's okay for them to experience brain fog. Do we recognize that, that it is normal? Do we not? Do we self-criticize? And so it's important to, to think about that. Think about COVID-19 as a normal experience for brain fog, because it is. And I don't know why we don't think COVID-19 as a normal experience for brain fog, but it can be hard for society to realize that. And I have been there myself. This podcast has opened my eyes and perspective to realize that it is okay to realize that COVID-19 is a normal experience where brain fog can happen. And another statement from the NPR article states, quote, a recent survey by the American Psychological Association found that three in four Americans said that the pandemic is a significant source of stress, end quote. So in the last quote, it said the root of brain fog is the stress and trauma. And in this quote, it says three in four Americans said that the COVID-19 pandemic is a significant source of stress. That is huge. Three in four Americans admittedly were vulnerable and raw and said that, yes, this COVID-19 pandemic is a significant source of stress. I applaud those people for being vulnerable and being able to, to say that, yes, it is a significant source of stress. And, you know, as, as we read this quote, I hope we can all think, holy cow, I have not been giving me myself the grace that I need or others the grace that they need because COVID-19 is real. And it is an experience that does cause brain fog. And so a good question to think about during this episode is why are we not giving ourselves grace? Why does COVID-19 
not qualify for a normal experience for brain fog. And just have that question in your mind as you listen to this podcast, pinpoint your own reason for thinking that, and then work on it. And I even had to do that. And it's okay because this is different. This whole COVID-19 pandemic is unique, new, scary, and it's okay to, to feel different biases with this new trauma, new traumatic event in our lives. That's another thing that I want to talk about is the uncertainty from COVID-19. You know, we, we as human beings, we like to be in control. We like to know what our routine is and we thrive on that. And an article that I read, it's from the Greater Good article and it states, managing uncertainty has put us into a different mindset. The human mind tries to solve uncertainty with routine end quote. And wow, when I read that, it was like a whole blast towards me because I finally understood why we work to death, why we are robots in in wanting to work 24-7 and want to hit all of our list of to-dos. And it's because we manage uncertainty with routine. And when that hit me, I was baffled. I was like, holy cow, people have tried to understand this. And this Greater Good article just nailed it right on the head. We love routine because it helps us manage uncertainty. And it's okay because we are scared of uncertainty in this pandemic. We don't know if there's going to be a different variant, like the Delta variant right now, or we don't know if we will be able to throw away our masks. So we might hold on to our masks for years. And it's okay because that is how we manage our certainty, our uncertainty is by holding on to those masks and remembering the appropriate healthy safety guidelines that we have learned through the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, and it can be hard to understand uncertainty in COVID-19. And I want to relate that to, to the NPR article that I read Because the NPR article said that it is almost like we are running a 100-yard dash. And that could be related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'll, I'll quote the NPR article right now. Quote, but you can only run a 100-yard dash for a short amount of time. Not a year and not a year where they keep moving the finish line. We can't do that. Eventually, our muscles and our bodies say no. I'm tired, end quote. So we see that COVID-19 has caused this uncertainty in our lives. And, you know, we run because that's a threat. We are victims of a threat that we can't see, that we have no control over. So we run. And that's just the way human beings are made. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to recognize that feeling. So we label that feeling as anxiety. And anxiety is a good defensive mechanism. You know, that's That's the thing that goes, oh, there's a threat. I got to run. And so we run and we run, but there is no finish line. And we aren't just physically tired, but we are also mentally tired because we keep telling ourselves, if I can just make it to that finish line, then I'll be fine. But that finish line keeps moving further and further ahead. And we don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. And the NPR article also states, quote, Stress keeps our minds vigilant and our nervous system vigilant, and that uses more energy, end quote. So as we continue to run, 
this 100-yard dash that becomes a mile of 5K, you know, it can be hard. And it, it uses a lot of our nervous system to tell us to keep running, to tell us to keep running from that threat. And that just uses more energy physically and mentally. And that's why brain fog comes into play because of the stress and trauma and the energy that we are using to run away from this threat of uncertainty. And so trauma is an event that threatens people's safety and stability. And that is exactly what COVID-19 is. I've said that in a previous episode, but I'll repeat it again. You know, trauma is different for everybody, but trauma from COVID-19 pandemic, it's real. And it is a traumatic event because it is threatening our safety and our stability. That is why we have brain fog during this COVID-19 pandemic. It's because of that root, the stress and trauma. So how do we manage brain fog? And, you know, there are different things of how to manage brain fog. Some research that I've done is, is getting good quality sleep, and that can help brain fog. And the NPR article states, quote, even though we might think we're sleeping the same number of hours, it's not the same quality. It doesn't have the same restorative ability because we're getting less deep sleep and we think it is tied to this chronic, subtle, uncertainty, stress, end quote. And that, that is true. I mean, if I'm nervous for an exam coming up and I want eight hours of sleep because that is a good number of sleep to get from different resources and professionals that I've heard that from. I will have a fitful night of sleep because I am anxious about this exam coming up. And yes, I slept eight hours. Yes, I think, why didn't I sleep good? Because I should, I, I slept eight hours. I should be fine. I should be able to feel rejuvenated and young and be able to conquer this exam that is in my sight my awful sight of vision sometimes, but (laughs) it's okay because that it's not the same. Yes, I slept eight hours, but it's not the same quality of sleep. And, you know, for those listening, going through master's or doctorate programs, I'm right there with you. I see you. I feel you. And you'll be able to get through it. I believe in that. Different tips for sleeping. Um, or for getting that good quality sleep, I listened to a podcast called Deep Into Sleep, and they talked about different techniques to get into that deep quality sleep. One of them, they talked about muscle relaxation, and that's really interesting because, you know, people that have anxiety or stress, sometimes they get really rigid and they can feel like tension in different parts of their bodies. For me, sometimes I feel tension in my neck and I'll have to pop it to make sure that that tension doesn't turn into a tension headache. But the muscle relaxation, this podcast talked about how you lay in bed and you tense the part of your body that you feel that tension the most and you tense it up and you hold it there for five seconds, just tense as tense you can get. And then after the five seconds goes, then you release it for five seconds and you know, you do that with each part of your body. It also helps us stay present in the moment so that we don't spiral into uncertainty and play into that uncertainty. So this muscle relaxation is a great way to get into a deep sleep. I mean, I've done it 
I've done it through my whole body. I started at my toes and then I try to work up towards my head. I don't always make it up towards my head because I fall asleep at that point. And it's, it's great. It's a great different coping skill to have to get yourself into this deep sleep. As you're doing your muscle relaxation, you can scan your body and it's called a body scan as this podcast labels it, that you scan your body to see where the different tensions are coming from and where you're feeling that stress and anxiety. And as you label that, recognize it, you can then focus on that tension, tense it up, do the muscle relaxation that you're supposed to do to get your body to relax into that deep sleep. This podcast also talked about expectations for kids and their sleep routine. And I thought that was unique because I know there's people listening to this that do have kids in their lives. Um, Guardians, parents, this is for you. (laughs) And so what this podcast said to do was to communicate those expectations for those kids in your lives. Let them realize and understand when bedtime is, what they will and will what they will and cannot do, and that bed and why bedtime and sleep is necessary. And you can tell them it's to rejuvenate, to have a better day tomorrow, and to help them learn and grow and play. And it's okay to be educational as you talk about these expectations for bedtime. So one lady during this podcast, she was talking about her struggle with her kids because her kids would get up in the middle of the night, ask for water or say, I need a hug or get untucked and say, mom, you need to tuck me again or dad, you need to tuck me again. And you know how kids do because they just, they're so love bugs. They just need attention, which is great. But this lady, she said, you know what I do? I put a glass of water beside their bed so they don't get up in the middle of the night and have to come to me to get a glass of water. It's right there, right beside their bed. But you know what it also does? Helps them feel independent, helps them not get up, and helps them go back to sleep once they've got that water in their system. And I thought that was great. I thought that was a really different way to approach kids and their sleep schedule. And other tips for brain fog. So we talked about sleep, the quality of sleep, and how that can help reduce brain fog. But there's different coping strategies that we use for different parts of our lives. So like we talk about, you know, different coping strategies like reading a book or self-care and how self-care doesn't have to be a bubble bath, but that can be like listening to awesome 90s music, 80s music, 2000s or current music now. I don't know what they are, but it's okay because, (laughs) because, you know, it's, it's different coping strategies that help that help us in our in other aspects of our lives, but with brain fog, we need to try something that's more relaxing because, because it can help dissolve the brain, the fog that is in our brain. And you know, the, the new strategies or the normal routine strategies that we use might not hit that brain fog where we need it to, might not kick it out of our system. So it's okay to try something new and it's okay to try a new scenery. Um, you know, I'll share a personal story. I, I am not a painter, but you know, I, I, I tried all my coping strategies. I tried reading a book. I tried listening to music. I tried watching Netflix and it just wasn't doing it for me. And so I was like, well, I'm not artistic, but I will try. And 
it was fun. I, w- I enjoyed it and it did turn out, but that's not the point. It, it, the point is, is that I tried something new and it, it really helped me understand that it's okay to try different scenes and try new different coping skills. And the thing that I learned from that as well is that it's okay to, to realize that we can try different things and not judge ourselves. But not only judge ourselves, but judge other people because other people can try running and they might not look great at it, like Phoebe on Friends. Or, <laughs> and it's okay because I'm not going to judge her because she's probably trying something new, trying a new scenery of a coping skill to get whatever is in her system out. So instead of judging others, we can encourage them and support them in this new coping skill that they are trying to use. And that's, that's something that I think COVID-19 has taught us is we are trying not to be judgmental, or at least it has taught me to not be judgmental throughout COVID-19. And the NPR article states, quote, if we could just get to the point where we could be talking about the stuff more openly, we'd feel like we'd feel a lot less alone, end quote. And it's true. Nobody wants to feel like an oddball. Nobody wants to be labeled as different, weird, crazy. But if we just learn to talk about mental health and brain fog and different symptoms that we feel openly and real and be genuine with other people, people will mirror that. You know, we all have mirror neurons and they are real. I mean, we will pick up different things in other people. And if you are real and genuine and vulnerable, other people will be too. And so it's critical to have those social connections again, because you get these people that validate your feelings. Um, In my research, it also talked about a reality check. You know, sometimes when we have brain fog, we, we don't necessarily realize if, if what we are thinking is real or not. And so you can ask your significant other, your friend, your mom or dad, somebody that you trust and ask them, Hey, are you feeling this too? Or, you know, just ask them a question of if this is reality or if this is not. I mean, that's a good system to have because it can, it can help you have somebody validate your feelings. If it is not real, it can also help you validate your feelings if it is real. I mean, it's just a good system of, to be able to check um, reality with other people that you trust. And that's the most important thing. Do it with somebody that you trust. Do it with somebody that loves you and has good intentions um, for you. And so don't believe the thoughts in your head that are saying, quote, you're crazy, unquote, because you're not. It's okay to feel the mumble jumble that is in your head during brain fog. And those intrusive thoughts um, shouldn't be dealt alone. You know, the thoughts of I'm crazy, I'm losing it. You know, don't, don't try to do that alone. Talk to somebody that you trust. Um, so I'll, I'll tell a personal story about these intrusive thoughts. I, I was really struggling um, a couple weeks ago during my master's social work program. And I just, you know, a lot of those negative intrusive thoughts came to my head and I was thinking, why this and why that? And am I good enough? And I was able to talk to my husband and he was able to say, okay, well, hold up, wait a minute. You're not crazy. You know, these are things that you are feeling because you're nervous right now. You're experiencing a lot of stress with your master's program. You know, COVID-19 has something to do with it too. And also 
uh, your hormones have something to do with it too. And just being able to have that reality check, first of all, being able to have somebody validate my feelings and that someone being somebody that I trusted and loved had good intentions for me, was able to say, well, hold up, wait a minute. Those feelings are not true. So let's take a step back and really focus on what is causing you these, these negative thoughts. And so we pinpointed the cause of stress, the cause of anxiety, and I was able to focus on that and work through it, be able to get it out of my system. And the NPR article quotes a different statement, quote, there's no wrong time to talk to someone. If you can't get an appointment with a therapist, talk to a friend or a coworker, end quote. And I, I love that statement because it doesn't have to be somebody professional. You can talk to somebody about your feelings, your different symptoms that you are experiencing with somebody that cares. And Brady was that for me in that moment. And I will forever be grateful for that because I wasn't able to, to spiral into that hole and dig myself deeper and deeper into it. And so the tricks that we have already covered for brain fog is getting a good quality sleep, talking to someone, validating those feelings, and getting out of your comfort zone to try new coping skills. Another one is gratitude journaling. And gratitude journaling I have talked about in a different episode, but you know, gratitude journaling does help us take these mumble jumble thoughts into our that are in our head, be able to write them down get them out of our system, make sure that that fog is also in that gratitude journal, and it will be able to help um, release the, the fog that we have in our brains. The NPR article also states, quote, research shows that gratitude journaling lifts your mood and is good for your mental health, end quote. And so that right there is just a statement that I want y'all to hear, that it's an evidence-based um, you know, that it's research proven that gratitude journaling can help um, improve our mental health, especially during COVID-19. And so a tip for, another tip for brain fog is acceptance and self-compassion. Wow, let's talk about this one. <laughs> this one is, it can be hard, it can be hard to show yourself, you know, acceptance, self-compassion during this time where you might not remember everything can't communicate with different people what you're feeling because that brain fog is just there in your mind 24-7. What we need to accept is that we won't get everything done that's on our to-do list, but we are still good enough. And that's that's the, the thought process that we should have. Yeah, you know, I might not get everything done today, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. That doesn't mean I'm less than I was yesterday. I am still worthy enough. And you know, that's that's just a confidence builder to even say that right now in this podcast, in this episode, because that makes me feel like, hey, I'm okay. I can do this. And it's not just a confidence builder to ourselves, but we can also relay that to other people as they talk about their own struggles and brain fog and different symptoms of COVID-19. You know, we can say, hey, that's okay. You're still good enough. And make sure that they hear that they are still good enough. You are still good enough. But it is challenging to be more accepting to ourselves. And maybe it is challenging to be accepting towards others too. Maybe maybe a spouse isn't holding up their end of the responsibilities that you thought they would. And you know that, that can be hard to accept. 
sometimes because we want to be able to, to have equal responsibilities. But if somebody's lacking, then we have to take care of more responsibilities. And that can be hard too. So recognizing that it can be hard to accept brain fog in ourselves and in others is huge. So the challenge that I have for each of us today, as you're listening, is to try to be more accepting of ourselves. Remember that we are enough and remember to give ourselves that self-compassion, that grace that we have talked about in several episodes. Remember to give yourselves that grace. And the last part that I want to talk about is the individuality in our struggles. And I know I mentioned that in episode four a little bit. You know, we're all on this this spectrum in our life, this journey, and each of us are in different points of it. But we don't go through struggles in in a universal way. You know, that normal is not universal. And I recognize that. I stand by that to this day, that what helps me get over stress and anxiety is not the same skill that other people will use because everybody is unique in their own mental health journey. Is and another article that I talked there that I read is called The Social Work Helper. And it had a great statement. So I'll quote it. It says, quote, we also don't want to make the mistake of assuming that everyone has had a similar experience or is currently in the same place. End quote. So my goal is to never assume that we are all in the same boat. I hope throughout these podcasts and these episodes that I have sort of mentioned that and showed that throughout these episodes and knowing that we are all individual, that we are all unique in this journey of COVID-19 and mental health and defining individuality and recognizing that we are all unique in our journeys. We can come to build it. We can come together to build each other up, create a safe place, mention coping skills that might help yourself and that maybe others will want to try and see if that works for them. Celebrate new coping strategies and give compassion to ourselves that we give so freely to others. And so that is my challenge to you at the end of this podcast is to recognize that we are all individuals, that we are all unique, and that we can strive to have that self-acceptance and have that self-compassion. So for a recap of this episode, we talked about how brain fog is real. And the tips to manage brain fog is get good quality sleep, try new coping skills, talk to someone about feelings. That doesn't mean you have to wait for your therapeutic appointment. Talk to a friend, talk to a coworker. And the last one, show acceptance and self-compassion for yourself. And so I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had to do these these podcasts and these episodes for COVID-19 and mental health. And I thank y'all for coming. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Excellent job. Thank you all for listening to the rest of our COVID-19 and mental health series. Hopefully we'll have some more information on COVID-19 and mental health as statistics get updated and such, and we'll share those as well. I think these have been a really informative uh, information about you know, how COVID has affected our mental health and some really positive tips uh, for what everybody can do, right? So thank you so much again for that, Rebecca. Uh, Folks, if you would like to hear more podcasts, we would love to have you uh, donate to us or sponsor the podcast. Uh, Information can be found at mhaky.org. That's again, our website, mhaky.org. Again, this is a production of Mental Health America of Kentucky. Thank you so much for listening. Everyone has mental health. It's time to take care of yours. Have a good day.